0: Welcome to the 100th episode of Records Revisited. You already know us. We're a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. And joining me is man who is the inspiration behind the song, Big Mouth Strikes Again. <laughs> Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate.
1: Oh, you nailed that one, Ben. I mean, hola.
0: Hola. So... We're out of practice with these episodes where it's just you and me.
1: Yeah, this is going to be weird. It's going to take a little getting
0: used to. It is going to be a little weird. It has been a couple months since we've had just uh, just an episode where we talk about a record that we want to talk about. Not not a guest pick. It's one of our picks.
1: Yeah, I don't even... Uh, what was the last time?
0: I don't even remember. Was it the Motels episode? <laughs> wow. I think it was. Ago. That was a long time ago. Uh we've had some good fortune. I'm not going to lie. We've had some good fortune over the last couple of months with uh, the guests that we've been getting and um I know you've been giving me crap because of how often we've been recording lately, but yeah. um I I have a hard time saying no. I get that. I get that. <laughs> I I'm definitely aware of that. Yeah. Uh.
1: It's just, I hope my boss doesn't find out how much effort, how much work I'm putting into this podcast. I should be <laughs> man- managing my, my business.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, the good news for me is I don't sleep much. So for, for that, I'm coming downstairs and doing some editing and I'm making some notes and doing some research. And you know, the good, good news for me is I work from home. So while I'm working, I'll just put on whatever record that we're going to be talking about that week or yeah. And just listen. And, uh, so it becomes background, background music, soundtrack, whatever you want to call it. Um, I totally didn't ask what t-shirt are you wearing? Um, See what I'm saying? I'm, I'm totally out of practice with this. Just me and you. So Wayne, what t-shirt are you wearing?
1: Um, I've worn all my Smith shirts. Um, and I, I have a bunch of shirts I'm saving for special episodes. So I actually have, and I know I've looked through the uh, records. I've never worn this shirt. It is my Guns N' Roses, uh, that bullet logo with the, uh, you know, the circle with the two guns,
0: Okay,
1: classic Guns N' Roses, uh,
0: t-shirt. Is this the one that's like see-through because you've worn it so much?
1: No, that's a concert shirt. I'm actually, I actually bought a. t-shirt shaped, uh, display frame off of Amazon that I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it in, hang it up on the wall in my office.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. That
1: thing is, yeah. You can't touch that thing. It's like it needs to be away from ultraviolet light and everything.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Make sure you get the UV protection for the, for the glass. So I already mentioned that this is our hundredth episode. Technically, technically we've already recorded what probably should be our hundredth episode, but I couldn't, I couldn't release an episode about the band crass as hundredth <laughs> episode. Not, not that that wasn't a good episode. Not that, that, yeah, but I just, no, that couldn't be our hundredth episode. No, no. And if we factor in the, um, I'm going to do the air quote thing. Uh, the the 45 episodes that we we used to do um, when we weren't uh, so slammed with with guests. Um, our 100th episode probably was a month ago, if we counted all those. Um, or should we just count the episodes that you're on? So if I eliminate the, <laughs> the interview episode that I did with Dave and Malloy, if I eliminate any of the guest co-host episodes... Uh, that Jeff Johnson has been on, um, or my brother has been on. Um, I don't know.
1: Nah, that's, uh, I love Jeff being able to come in here and, uh, pick up the slack. Sometimes, sometimes I'm, I'm actually busy and he's, he's been a friend of the show. Definitely a friend of the show.
0: He, I think he got offended a little bit with your uh, hashtag for the Ken Stringfellow episode that we did, though. Oh, you, put, oh my God. you put hashtag sideline. <laughs> 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 and I, I and I just reminded him because I was like, "Look, uh, that's just Wayne feeling, um, you know, feeling a little frustrated because, well, with Ken, Ken's in France, so there's a time difference." there's a time difference for me in the U S so I had to take a half day of vacation to record that episode because of the time difference. And you know, there's a three hour time difference between you and me as well. So you would have had to take like a whole day of vacation.
1: I I am honored that a guy with as uh, witty and as, biting a sense of humor as Jeff Johnson actually was offended by something I did. I, I mean, (laughs) I I have nothing but praise for Jeff. He, he's, he's gotten on me pretty good in some episodes that if I even for a second had him marginally offended, then I, I pat myself on the back, but I, I I love Jeff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, with this whole pandemic thing. So you know in order to celebrate our 100th episode i kind of had like i kind of had in mind that we might do a live broadcast in front of some people we might have some live music maybe some cool guests to talk about you know a record that we all love at the, at the very least record an episode in front of some of our friends and then of course pandemic happens social distance distancing of course doesn't allow that um here's the funny thing though when i when i started charting out what the calendar was going to look like with us recording once or twice a week we would have been on target for the 100th episode like end of june or july and we've kind of blown that with the whole once a week recording thing lately haven't we (laughs) So and then I thought about, well, if we can't do the whole live thing, um, I thought about like maybe reaching out to some of our former guests to get some like sound bites of, hey, I'm you know, I'm so and so I want to congratulate Ben and Wayne for 100 episodes or something like that. But I don't know about you. I feel I would I felt really weird even thinking about reaching out to some people and saying, Hey, can you say something nice about me? (laughs) It doesn't have to be nice. I know. Yeah. Whatever. And I will say this. I still find that even though I have a ton of notes for the record that we're going to talk about, I still feel a little ill prepared because, um, have I mentioned that I'm now on episode six of the second season of the newsroom?
1: I just need you to finish, so you can start the Sopranos.
0: All right, all right. Well, I'll, I'll try and I'll try and get get done. All right. Well, um, so I have a couple couple questions that I that I I felt uh, warranted us to talk about, considering that we've now got a hundred plus episodes, uh, you know, um, what do, what do you call it? under our belt in my my (laughs) belt. What's, what's the phrase for it
1: (laughs) under our belt.
0: Yes. Under our belt. Yeah. Um, so top five artists and musicians that we have not yet covered on an episode. Uh, And, uh, and, and luckily, luckily when we first started, when I first started creating this list, um, we have episodes coming up for Prince We have an episode coming up for the kinks and uh, we just, we just released an episode on Abbey road from the Beatles. So we can cross those off the list. So give Uh, me, give me one of the names on your top five list.
1: Top of my list, David Bowie, Uh, his names come up. I a hundred times. And, but yet we have, we have not, we have yet to do a David Bowie record.
0: Bowie's, top on my list um my second pick is the rolling stones
1: that i should text you a picture of my list the rolling stones are the second band on my list
0: okay um who's your who's your other pick
1: uh the clash tom petty uh and blondie
0: oh okay yeah we haven't done a blondie episode yet either um here here are my other picks uh Nirvana, Tom Petty, and Billy Joel. <laughs> we keep talking about Billy Joel, but we have not done a proper we have not done a proper episode for Billy Joel.
1: Yeah. I still think our new transition question after we retire the Africa question should be what's your favorite Billy Joel song? Because I think it will I think that okay. is a question I think the answer will say a lot about the person.
0: All right i and i'm ready, I'm ready to retire Africa all right, yeah, I know you have you've been ready because we <laughs> you know the 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 yeses have totally well, yeah. smacked it you just, in the face
1: it 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 dismantles my belief in in humanity is why I think why I'm most is the most upsetting part about it, but I thought i I thought I would do better in that battle. I was prepared to lose but
0: all right. Well, Jeff. Jeff is still working his angles to try and get Lukather on on an episode, um, and that's the only reason why I haven't completely retired it yet because he's he's still working on it.
1: Yeah, anybody associated? I think that would be anybody. If if we could just anybody associated with Toto, anybody worked in the you know, in the booth during the recording. Um, I think that would be just a nice way to go out. Yeah. Somebody who was part of it slammed the door on this bit.
0: Yeah. All right. Um what's your favorite discovery because of this uh, because of doing this podcast?
1: John Prime. Easily.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would I would say it's either a toss between discovering Joe Henry or discovering John Prime. And I knew both of them. I just yep. didn't names I'd heard. Just didn't really dive in deep, and um, yeah, both both names t- completely worthy of going and checking out their catalog. And yeah, we just did a couple episodes about John Prine, and look, I I knew maybe I shouldn't even share all share all of this, but I'm going to anyways. <laughs> when we do episodes, we are. You know, we're we're looking for records that we know that people are going to want to revisit. We know that some listeners are going not going to listen to those records. Like, you know, when I look at number of downloads, for instance, um Emiliana Torini record um didn't warrant a lot of a lot of downloads and listens, yet it's still a great record and people should go go check those kind of things out. Knowing that John Prine is not, he's not a household name, even though he should be knowing that a John Prine bruised orange record, for instance, is not you two acting baby or counting crows, August and everything after, or, you know, pick one of our, what, what, what do you think is, our most popular or some of our most popular records that we've revisited.
1: Oh, well, "Acting Baby, um, Abbey Road. Uh,
0: oh, yeah. See, so, so those kind of records, I know that people are going to want to listen to because there is a, they, they already know it. They want to hear what other people have to say about it they don't necessarily want to discover new music, which is what we're trying to, what we're trying to do is, is not only talk about those really popular records, but we are trying to bring to, to use the, the, the Scott Terry uh, word that bring it into the zeitgeist of, of people. Um, And I knew that those, those two John Prine episodes that we did, I knew they weren't going to be super popular. However, I, I have a connection with Prine now that I just felt like, no, I want to, I want to get some episodes out there, even though they may not be the most popular episodes that we've ever done. Um, I'm super proud of both of those episodes. And, um, even if it just, Turns on one or two other people out there that may not have really dove into Prime like we have. Uh, Hopefully, hopefully somebody is out there is taking a note and um, going, "Oh yeah, he is the man."
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if if it if it gets anybody to uh, take a listen to uh, his his work and. I, 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 it'll stand up on its own. They'll, they'll become fans. I, f- I challenge them that.
0: Yeah. Have Have we ever really talked about how we did we put this podcast together? How it came to fruition? Uh, I don't think we've. I don't think we've ever publicly addressed.
1: Well, there you go. Tell the story.
0: When did we start this? We started this November of 2018. Is that right? I, yes, it is. That sounds. That sounds right. right? <laughs> yeah. I I needed a creative outlet, so I'm I'm I've been forever working on uh, finishing a couple different novels. Uh, so if if you've listened to all of our episodes, you know that we've had some, some novelists on as well. Books are uh, a second to music to me. And I needed a creative outlet. And I was having a really bad case of writer's block um, caused by... Um, well, I'll just go on record. Uh, caused by depression that was brought on by uh, working for the man. <laughs> um, I'd been at my job for close to 14 years at that point. Uh, things were not going super great. And I just didn't have a creative outlet. And one of the things that I, um, I listened to a lot, on my commute cuz i back in the day i had a commute of 1 hour up, 1 hour back to to my office and listen to a lot of podcasts and you know that whole adage of uh, if you want something done right, do it yourself. <laughs> um not to say that there weren't podcasts out there that were doing it right, but there weren't enough of them in my estimation. <laughs> Uh there were a few that I really liked but I didn't like all of the the profanity that was in them. Um there were a few that I liked but I didn't think that they dove into records like I wanted to dive into those records. Yeah, so I was like I think I could do a podcast. And maybe that's that's just me being um full of myself at that point. Uh, but uh, I knew that I didn't want to do it by myself. And you and I had been texting back and forth for a number of years where we would assign each other, you know, top 10 lists. So it'd be like uh, top 10 songs on the IRS label. What, what were some of the other top 10 lists?
1: Oh, um, top 10 Elvis Costello albums. Uh, I, th- I think we did top 10 Bowie songs. I know we did top 10 Neil Young songs,
0: yeah. Um, uh, top 10 songs on uh, Abbey Road, uh, top 10 songs on uh, what were some of the other double records that we like? Top 10 songs on The River, um, by, by Bruce. Um, I mean, that and we also had a lot of different themes. So there was like, you know, top 10 songs about this, about summer or top 10 songs about another singer, or I don't know, there was all sorts of different things. And, um, so I was like, uh, I need to get Wayne to join my podcast. And, uh, when I, when I came back to Washington to watch, uh, watch our Huskies, against my alma mater, BYU in football. Most of that day was just you and I talking about, could we pull this off? And I had to talk you into this, (laughs) right? Well,
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, That's fair to say.
0: Okay. If you've listened to us since the beginning, you'll know that the first couple episodes were a little rough because we were trying to figure it all out. And, um, Actually, you wouldn't know that because I pulled the first couple episodes off because <laughs> I don't want people to hear those because they're they are rough the between us not knowing what the heck we were doing and not I don't know what what do you have to say about the those first couple episodes that we did
1: uh, Yeah, production wise, they were a little shaky. I think there was uh, definitely. Uh, get what you pay for kind of a feel to them. I mean, we were just, like I said, we didn't know what we were doing and, but we were enjoying doing it. So I think there is a lot of times where it gets, especially in the early ones where it gets kind of goofy and maybe even a little bit inside joke, because at some points I think we are just entertaining ourselves, which you got to start somewhere,
0: which we still do. Yeah. (laughs) The Toto's Africa question came from us entertaining ourselves. Yeah, those first couple episodes, we were trying to figure it out, and then, and then we started having guests on. And originally, the plan was we'll have guests on like twice a month. <laughs> and I just laugh about that because now we're having guests on like twice a week, and um, if I schedule, sometimes sometimes it's two months down the road. I mean, that's, that's, and I'm not, and I'm totally not complaining about that. It's a great problem to have that people want to join our podcast and, um, you know, management people and PR people are referring people over to us. Um, it's an absolute honor when people are like, yeah, I totally would love to come on your, your podcast. So so I, I think I'm I'm just in a lot of lately with the whole pandemic thing is one of the things that I've struggled with is just gratitude and being thankful for things and um, you know I'm I'm super thankful for us doing this podcast because it it started it started a domino effect for me. So with us doing the podcast and having something to look forward to, it snapped me out of my depression. It changed my outlook on life. Um, When I started interviewing for other jobs, um, you know, a year and a half ago, um, I can see the progression that I had the first couple interviews that I did. I understand why people wouldn't have hired me because I didn't project positivity. Then we started doing this podcast and my outlook on life changed a little bit to the standpoint of some of those last interviews that I did uh, for, for a job. Um, I think I projected confidence. Positivity and, um, yeah, that I've got good things going on in my life, and that this, this podcast was, was part of that, part of that domino effect. So I'm just feeling very, very grateful for, for that. And, um, grateful that you're along for the ride with me on this.
1: Oh, it's been my pleasure. Like I say, I, <laughs> I remember, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I want to do it every week. And then I still remember the feeling the first time I listened to the, uh, the Joshua tree episode with, with, uh, Steve Netta. And I was just like, just seething with just like, that's just never going to happen again, you know? And, uh, so, but this is the coolest thing I do. I, I tell everybody about it. Um, it's, it's, it's what I look forward to every week, even, uh, Schedules got a little busier than I would like, but you know what?
0: I know, I know. Give me crap about it.
1: <laughs> I've uh, I've adjusted.
0: Well, like I said, you know, we we've been given all sorts of of really great presents dropped in our lap. Of uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, we we recorded an extra John Prine episode. Uh, I wasn't planning on doing that, but when. A uh, former guest goes, you know, you should have this guy come on your on your podcast. And I'm like, all right, well, introduce me and then come to find out that this guy is, you know, a Tony Award winner and, uh, uh, you know, an actor who. Um, well, I've been spending all my time watching the newsroom lately. So, um, you know, those are those little presents that, that keep dropping into our laps that I, I just go cool. Like I'm so I'm honored. I'm honored that people, um, think highly enough of us that, that, uh, they would refer their friends to come on our podcast. And it's, um, so again, going back to the whole gratitude thing. Thank you. We're, we are so appreciative. Um, I'm so appreciative of the listeners out there. Um, you know, we just did our synchronicity episode, which will be coming out here in, in a, in a week or two. And, uh, you know, we had a bunch of listeners who provided scoring for it and, um, you know, we've, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a great ride. Um, thoroughly enjoying it. Yeah. Same here. So last question, Toto's Africa. Good. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I wish. All right. So, we decided to do this episode. Um, we've been talking about this since um, early 2019. We wanted to do another episode about the Smiths, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Queen instead.
1: Uh, and this is the one album I think I associate with our friendship the most because I remember you getting this in the mail from one of the the one of the two, uh, record tape clubs and never heard of them, had no idea. Uh, I think you put it on a blank cassette for me. And from then on, uh, it, I, I guess in a lot of ways it changed my life.
0: Well, you can, you can thank, um, you can thank Scotty for my appreciation of the Smiths. So, um, I had Meat is murder on cassette and it was largely because I had heard how soon is now. I don't even remember where I heard it. I don't know if it was Dave Marshall or Jeff Goings. Like I heard it driving in their car one night, or if it was at a dance that they DJ. I, I can't remember, but Scotty had the tape and I was like, dude, I, I want your tape. And He's like, well, trade me because we were, we were all notorious for trading tapes, yeah. and and some of them were really bad uh, trades, <laughs> um, and this would probably be construed as a bad uh, trade that I did, but I I don't, um, so I traded my Pink Floyd The Wall soundtrack, uh, for Meat Is Murder. And I got vilified by a couple people because they're like, "How could you do that?" Like, the Wall is one of the greatest records of all time. I am like, I am over it. Like, I am, and and honestly, I can I can honestly tell you that was what that was probably eighty five or eighty six when I did that, and I can honestly say that I've only listened to the Wall one other time during that entire time. So it's like I bet I don't I was over it I was ready to move on from Pink Floyd so um, so yeah so I got Meat Murder fell in love with that record and just keep in mind this is pre internet days so you didn't you didn't always know when a record came out unless it was you know you saw an advertisement in or a review in Rolling Stone or what was what was Tower Records magazine? What do they call that? Pulse? Oh, uh, the ro-
1: was that it? Yeah, then there was The Rocket locally.
0: The Rocket, um, yep.
1: Yeah. You find so, you find out when a new video came on MTV?
0: Right. And that's how I found out about Queen Is Dead was because there was there was a, a video for There is a Light that Never Goes Out. It's it's not a great video, um, if you've if you watched it. But I remember seeing that and going, holy crap, there's another Smith's record out. And then, you know, and there I was. I I, I went and and I don't see I, my my recollection of getting this was I thought that I went to Tower and bought it. But maybe, maybe I got it through Columbia Record club because i did i did get a lot of records through columbia record i was i was notorious for signing up people (laughs) to get my what was it three or four free
1: I i think you got four free if you signed if you could trick somebody
0: into signing up oh man i i i was a good salesperson back in the day i got a lot of free records because of that um ones that uh now that i think about it i just go really i wasted a pick on that <laughs> okay um i'm talking about you alan alan parsons project um anyways so what do we want to say about queen is dead um bio info on this third studio album was released in june of 86 on rough trade records in the uk it was on sire records in the u.s it only reached number 70 on the U S billboard 200. However, in the Rolling Stone 500 greatest albums of all time, this is record number 218. And you know how I love my Rolling Stone top 500. Cause I like to make fun of it. So <laughs> you, you want to hear some, some records that are ahead of this? Yes. I want to hear your, I want to hear your opinion. All right. So, Number two seventeen, Bobby Bland's Two Steps from the Blues. Do you even know Bobby Bland?
1: I do know Bobby Bland, but I, I am not specifically familiar with that piece of of
0: I, his catalog. I I don't know. I maybe I would have to go look on Spotify and listen to Bobby Bland. Do I know Bobby Bland?
1: Um yeah, he's yeah, you would if I'm sure okay. there's some there's some songs I'm not thinking of right now, but yeah, he's a... You would.
0: Okay. Bo Diddley, go Bo Diddley from 1986. That's number 216, which, you know, it's Bo. Uh, The New York Dolls self-titled from 73 is number 215. Okay. Here's one that I want to hear the vitriol from you. Number 214. And the vitriol is not directed towards the artist. It's directed towards the record. Called "Proud Mary," the best of Ike and Tina Turner.
1: Now, yeah, yeah. First of all, greatest hits don't have any any place on that list. I didn't even know there were any. Um, I, by vitriol, I don't. I wouldn't. I'm not going to get overly preachy, but in my on my list, there's only one record ahead of this record, which is "Appetite for Destruction."
0: Okay. All right um all right here's here's a couple other ones ahead of it tattoo you number 213 and that's a stone's record
1: yeah but even then that's the stone's record that's 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 made up of pieces of other records you know i not that i don't love start me up and neighbors and uh it's just not i don't know i don't think it warrants to be ahead of this
0: yeah pavements crooked rain crooked rain number 212 and i don't i can honestly say i i don't know much pavement uh it's never been a band that i've gotten into even though i understand that every other indie band that has ever formed in the last 20 plus years is heavily influenced by pavement um wish you were here from pink floyd is 211 we did an episode on number 210 Everybody knows this is nowhere. Neil Young. And then uh, 209 is Pearl Jam's 10.
1: Done an episode on that too.
0: We have. Yeah. Uh, In 2013, British magazine enemy called the queen is dead. The greatest album of all time. Uh,
1: Yeah. I, I, I have trouble arguing with that.
0: Okay. You guys already know the Smiths, uh, so made up of Morrissey, who provides the lead vocals. Of course, uh, he also provides backing vocals. We'll talk about his uh, his credits as Ann Coates coming up soon. Uh, Johnny Marr, he does everything: guitars, strings. Um, what is a harmonium? His credit as <laughs> doing harmonium.
1: I, I don't know.
0: I have no I, idea I'm, I'm what that yet, uh, is. I'm not familiar with that instrument. He's also on the marimba. That I know what that is. Okay. Uh, of course you do. Uh, you hate marimba just as much as you hate the uh, <laughs> the glockenspiel.
1: I know. I love the marimba and uh, the tambourine. I've, there's been some times that the tambourine has been poorly used. Uh, but yeah. that doesn't, it's not the tambourine's fault. It's the tambourine player.
0: There you go. Uh, it's user error, right? Um, and Andy Rourke is on bass, and then Mike Joyce is on drums. Should we dive into it? Well, I think, we'll, we, I think we,
1: we're running out of time
0: because we'll we'll talk about each one of these songs as we go through it. Uh, as a reminder, our scoring is based on the number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? Just ten. Means Top Song's gonna get 10 points. Next favorite, nine points on Dandel lowest Score of one. Here we go. Queen is dead. The extra vocals that you hear on the song, that's Morrissey, just so you know. Talked about, uh, one of the articles I read talked about how Morrissey liked to experiment with the effects on his voice, so Stephen Street, who was, was he the engineer, was he the producer, was he both? I think he was just the engineer, right?
1: Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think he got a production credit.
0: Yeah. Um, so th- they messed around, ran his voice through, a uh, harmon harmonizer, harmonizer. I think that's what it's called. It's spelled differently. I would have thought that harmonizer would have been with the or, but maybe this is British, British spelling uh street said at the time apart from the harmonizer he didn't go for much backing vocals or harmony work he'd done that more on recent albums but he'd he to experiment and so backing vocals were then contributed to ann coates um ann coates is a district in manchester so he did a little bit of a play on words for that and you're going to hear that uh that extra Vocal that you hear the really weird vocal on Big Mouth strikes again. Yeah, that's quote unquote Ann Coates, which is just Morrissey. Um, yeah,
1: it's like off pitch or something. I read.
0: Yes, yes. So even though we're not British, we can kind of feel them for um, their leader.
1: Well, and i I think that it. I think there is some angst against the the queen and the royal family in general but if you read the lyrics it's much more it's much more of uh the times are changed and they're not not for the you know not for the better um especially there's a line in there about you know some nine-year-old tough who peddles drugs you know i swear to god i never knew what drugs were i mean there's a couple other lines uh about where he says and talk about precious things like love and law and poverty i mean there's definitely a you know things have come off the tracks kind of a it's definitely a much more of a commentary on british life at the time than just necessarily the queen i think i think if you're british you you have uh, the ability to kind of put the queen and the royal family as that focal point for british life But it's just got it's. I love. There's always British words. Like I had to look up what a spanner was because he breaks into Buckingham Palace with a sponge and a spanner. And my favorite line is he said uh, the Queen says uh, something like uh, "You're not that good. You're not that good. You cannot sing." And he goes, "Oh, you got to That's nothing. You should hear me play the piano." Just he's so clever. And in his early work with the Smiths, he was a different songwriter. And, And it's just just fantastic.
0: Yeah. Alright, let's get some scores on this. Uh this is my five.
1: I'm only gonna refer to him just like the Elvis Costello. This is my eighth favorite song on this record, so that would be a three, but
0: all right. Uh next song is Frankly Mr. Shankly. Frankly, Mr. Shankly
2: this Down in musical history. Frankly, Mr. Shankley, I'm a sickening wreck. I've got the 21st century breathing down my neck. I must move fast. You understand me? I want to go down in celluloid history, Mr. Shankley.
0: The one thing that I read was this song. I know it's over, and there is a light that never goes out. Were written in a quote unquote marathon writing session at Johnny Mars' house. Um, this is supposedly addressed to Jeff Travis, yeah. who is the head of Rough of Trade. Rough Trade. Um, Travis has said uh, has uh, talked about how it's a funny lyric about. Morrissey's desire to be somewhere else. And uh, he acknowledged that the line in the song about bloody, awful poetry is a reference to a poem he had written for Morrissey.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've always liked this song and I definitely, uh, while it doesn't sound like it, this is a middle finger to the man. Like uh, uh, this is as, even though, like I say, it wouldn't sound punk rock, it definitely is. Cause just the, like say, when you put this in context of not only, um, you know, the head of the label, so the man, but also he was, he's also taken a couple of, you know, at least a little bit of a shot at himself um, for being, you know, wanting to be famous um, at, you know, more so than righteous or, or, or uh, humble or what I believe the lyric is. But he, he, it's just done so well, but it sounds so almost, you know, very old, almost ragtime type type. But yet these lyrics about wanting to be famous and, and wanting to be, you know, gone. And then I'd say the, you know, calling him a flatulent pain in the arse. I mean.
0: All right. But yeah.
1: But at least, like I say, he's definitely, he's looking for, he, he doesn't, he doesn't want just one good day job. He wants to. He wants to be a, a rock star, and he's 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 gonna be.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, this is my six, Wayne.
1: This is my fourth favorite, so
0: it'd be a seven. Okay. Next song is "I Know It's Over."
2: It's just like any other night That's why you're on your own tonight Your triumphs and your charms they're over each other's arms It's so easy to love. it's so easy to hate
0: I feel bad about my score for this because this was originally I thought this is probably my least favorite song on the record, and then I started really diving into the the lyrics because I really like the lyrics on this one. I think that oh. there's a lot of double meaning going on here because you know if you if you're just basing the first couple lines of, you know, Oh mother, I can feel the soil falling over my head. You think that that's, um, you know, it's a death metaphor. No, that's just one of the metaphors that he's using. I mean, you know, he's, he's looking at, uh, the, the, the love and, and basically him being forced to watch somebody that he loves go into the arms of, you know, somebody else.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. He's absolutely heartbroken. And, and this, I mean, I, that's anybody who's had their heart broken, nice and good. You could, you, you know, that death metaphor is uh, very appropriate. I love this is him at his moodiest and self-deprecating. I mean, the, the lines in the middle about if you're so funny, if you're so clever, if you're so entertaining, if you're so very good looking, the, the, then why are you all on your own tonight? Yeah. So he's, he, and this, and the, and musically, this is, his, I mean, this could have been in a David Lynch film. It's very, you know, eerie and creepy. Yeah. But that, like I say, but the heart broke, the heartbreak uh, in this is just, and like I say, though, that, that visual of the, of the dirt being, you know, thrown on you in your grave, just really, yeah. On my score Like I say, this is my fifth favorite song, Um, but it, it, this, like I say, there's only, there's only one song on here that's, is not in my top, you know, Smith songs.
0: Yeah, this was my three. And like I said, I thought that this was going to be my least favorite. And then I looked, looked at the lyrics a little bit more and musically, I don't, I don't love it. Um, but I love the lyrics so alright next song is Never Had No One Ever should have done more reference to find out what the reference is to the really bad dream lasting 20 years, 7 months, and 27 days.
1: And I don't know. And I I get, you know, from the the song, it feels like not necessarily his life. He probably, I'm sure he was older than 20 years. But I think either it's, you know, from living somewhere or being, you know, some point of reference that he has to himself. Uh, But I just love how specific it is. I think that's that's one of the cool parts of this song is how specific he is in that one reference. And then I loved, there's another, towards the end, it's, I'm, I'm outside your house. And I thought, you know, if he would have just brought a boom box, this would have, this, this, this song might have ended differently.
0: Yeah. I should have done the research on the, the 20 years things. Um, did I mention that I'm on episode six of season two of the newsroom?
1: <laughs> that's taken up too much of your time. It's gotten into your podcast for uh, research. It's
0: getting getting into my research. Uh, If only I could learn how to multitask while watching stuff. Um, My wife says she's really good at it, uh, which I don't believe her. But all right. I don't have anything else to say on this one. This is my four.
1: This was my least favorite. This was my 10th favorite.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, See, I did not predict that. I predicted that my lowest score Was going to be your lowest score We'll get to that in, in a couple songs um, Alright Cemetery Gates Not Cemetery Gates Cemetery Gates I
1: guess yeah Depends on where you're from I sunny So I'll meet you at the Cemetery Gates Keith
2: Cemetery Gates are on your side I dread it's sunny days So I meet you at the cemetery gates Keats and Yates are on your side Wild, wild is on mine So we go inside and we gravely read the stones All those people, all those lives Where are they now? With the love and hate And passion's just like mine they were born and then
0: they and then this was a denied. late addition to the record because Johnny Marr didn't think that the guitar part was quote-unquote interesting enough to be developed into a song. And um, I love this song. Uh, this is Morrissey's response to all the critics who said he's just using text from favorite his favorite <laughs> authors and putting them in songs. And so he's like, okay, well then I'll just go ahead and start quoting them and give them references within the song so that, you know, that I'm quoting them. <laughs> Cause I don't think he was, he wasn't trying to plagiarize. He was trying to like, uh, celebrate those, those particular, uh, writers. Cause, Okay, so so the authors that were noted in one of the articles that I read was Elizabeth Smart, which I don't I don't know, and Sheila Delaney Delaney, spelled S H E L A G H. I don't know I don't know that person either, and I don't know if it's even male or female based off of that because I. So um, and of course. Oscar Wilde is mentioned in this, and one of the Wilde quotes is, talent borrows, genius steals. <laughs> so what better way to, to, to do this song than to um, quote quote wild in this uh who is credited with that uh, that particular quote
1: this is a song that grew this is a song that grew on me i didn't always like it as much as i like it now but i do love i did love the the commentary on plagiarism that takes place in the middle but also this 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 cool story about these two young loves that you know they go hang around the cemetery looking, you know, what a cemetery too. It's got Keats, Yates, and Oscar Wilde all, all buried in the same place, which I don't, I don't know if that's actually the case. But just the whole, they're still in love. I mean, like these, these two kids, these two young lovers just out, you know, looking and contemplating life and where these you know, people were and now where they, where they are now.
0: You know, I should have done some research to see if the all three were in the same cemetery. Did did I mention that I'm on um, episode six of season two of the newsroom? You, you,
1: you can't overdo something, though. Just so you know.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm going to totally David Letterman that that joke. That's I'm probably going to talk about the newsroom for probably the next five or six episodes, just because it makes me laugh every time I do it. Um. All right this is my eight what you got
1: six favorite of five
0: this this is where you would flip the record over and this is wayne fugate strikes again <laughs> i mean i'm sorry uh, big mouth strikes again
1: absolutely i i say that's my notes take reference to the uh, point in my life where this was absolutely my theme song i i i i covered it up by calling it honesty but really what it boiled down to was i had learned from some tough instances in life that there was worse things than getting punched in the face and so i began to cause trouble where it wasn't even necessary, but it, I just, uh, had a good time with it. But this song has always, has always resonated with me, but especially after, uh, right into my mid twenties where I told a lot of people exactly what I thought all the time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm surprised we're still friends with the amount of, uh, brutal truth that, uh, you and I threw at one another.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, that's how you make things stronger. But, uh, and, but ultimately, on this the song, so this, <laughs> this this incredibly you know powerful driving acoustic guitar that that runs through this, and then I like, like I love that he took the the Joan of Arc martyr image and then put it into the you know if you listen to it, it clearly makes it into a modern day reference with the melting Walkman, and then if you even get even trickier at the end, he's. The hearing aids are melting and which when you're a big mouth, you don't listen a lot. You need help listening. So you would need hearing aids. So it's all of that stuff is incredibly clever from, from, you know, this, this young man, he, he was a brilliant songwriter still is. I shouldn't say that.
0: Do do we need to describe to the kids at home listening? What a walkman
1: Walkman is? is. Yeah. There's this is, these are definitely, uh, it's definitely a, a, an antiquated reference.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So here's a couple things I know on this, on this song. So this was the lead <laughs> single from the album only reached number 26 on the UK singles chart. Um, remember how we were talking about Ann Coates? Yeah. So that's, that's Morrissey doing the backing vocals where it's a sped up vocal in the final mix. Um, Kirsty McCall actually sang a backing vocal for the song, but it was considered really weird by John Moore. <laughs> so they replaced it with really? <laughs> they replaced it with the sped up vocal by Morrissey. That's not really weird. Okay. All right, cool. I, I love the reference of now I know how Joan of Arc felt. <laughs> exaggerate much. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: How do you, yeah. If you want to make the point that you're a martyr, that's you got to bring in Joan of Arc.:
0: Bring in Joan of Arc, yeah. All right. This is my seven.:
1: This is my nine. This is my second favorite song, but obviously very personal.:
0: Yeah. All right. Next song is "The boy with the thorn in his side.
2: Want to believe us, and if they don't.
0: song's lyrics this is lifted off of Wikipedia the song's lyric refer allegorically to the band's experience of the music industry that failed to appreciate it that's interesting Um, Morrissey said in 2003 this is his favorite Smith song
1: yep I read that
0: Uh, also released as a single reached number 23 did I get my facts wrong no, okay. So number 26 for Big Mouth, number 23 for Boy with the Thorn in His Side. That's interesting that neither one of them were huge hits, like some of their, their previous records in the UK. Um, and they also performed this song on Top of the Pops. Anyways, yeah. it's a great song.
1: Yeah, It's and like I say, this is, lyrically, this is, uh, a highlight, like I say, he's taking this, this hidden, like deep pain. And, and I could just, like I say there's, it's very, you know, subtextual like this, this whole, um, cause I've heard it even allegorically referred to uh, his sexuality and like the feeling, you know, having this, having these, these pains inside of, of wanting to be different. What is the line? The murderous desire for love. Mm-hmm. I can look into my eyes and still they don't believe me. So I mean there's there's definitely an internal struggle or, or or going on and it's very well done.
0: Yeah, I'll bring up the the sexual thing in the next song as well. Um yeah, I I found that, that there was just I mean just from the chorus of behind the hatred there lies a plundering desire for love. It wasn't super popular in the 80s to be gay like yeah. it, and and i guess in certain circles it's still not quote unquote popular to be gay um i'm glad we have made some strides in in the world today but um, yeah i would i would say that there were a lot of songs written during the 80s where they had to be more ambiguous within the lyrics cuz there weren't many there weren't many musicians that were openly talking about their sexuality where it was, I'm completely talking about homosexuality. Like if you, if you think about, you know, George Michael or Freddie Mercury or, um, good gosh. I mean, how how many others from, from back in the day where they, they sang love songs, but yet, uh, They, they tried to veil the homosexuality thing because look, it wasn't, it wasn't widely embraced within the culture. And I'm sure it wasn't widely embraced by their labels because, uh, they didn't want the fear of not being able to sell records because you're gay. So anyways, um, I'll get off the soapbox here. This was my nine.
1: Uh, and this was my seventh favorite at number four. Okay.
0: Uh, next song is Vicar a the tutu. <laughs> Going back to what I was saying about the sexual ambiguousness, what's the the word? Ambiguity. ambiguity. That's the word I'm looking for. Can you tell that we've already recorded an episode today? I'm (laughs) I'm getting a little punch struck and tired. Um, I think that that Morrissey is considering himself the vicar.
1: I thought it was a commentary on the church. Maybe. Maybe because of the references to not only the vicar and the tutu, but then he's in the pulpit, you know, preaching a sermon, but also the, uh, the Rose, uh, collect, you know, the gosh, what was I
0: as Rose collects the money in a canister who comes sliding down the banister.
1: Yeah. So it's, I, I felt with the money, the money part of it. And then obviously the, the church of England is basically the Catholic church just that, when Henry VIII didn't get a divorce that he wanted, he just took the church over himself and just became the head of it. So it's, yeah. it's got a lot of similarities to the Catholic Church, and I'm sure there's a lot of that repressiveness that's that can be involved in organized religion anyway. But it definitely, it definitely felt much more like a commentary on that.
0: Yeah. One thing, so I, I did go to song meanings for this one. I didn't for any of the other ones because I felt like, all right, let me, let me see what people have to say about this. Uh, one person said, I always thought that with the Holy Name Church, so that's um, that's in the first verse, talking about uh, I was minding my business, leading, lifting some lead off the roof of the Holy Name Church. So going back to the song meetings, that he was being willfully vague until I was strolling through Manchester one day, and I saw a church called the Holy Name Church. So there you go. Now again, that's in, that's internet. So who who knows if that's true or not? Uh, but I'm curious if there really is a Holy Name Church somewhere in Manchester that maybe uh, Morrissey was directing this to. But who knows? I thought that this was going to be your lowest score.
1: It, it and it's my it's my second lowest score, and it's. But I think the rock, the the very rockabilly, uh, you you know, it's a very, that track has a very rockabilly kind of old time bluesy rock and roll feel to it. But the lyrics, while I I like taking a shot at the church, um, they came off a little bit, they come off a little bit silly, but also even that all being said, I, I like the song. I just, I say it's my ninth favorite. I'll say that.
0: So Queen is Dead. What was your score on Queen is Dead? Three. Oh, okay. I wrote it down wrong. I believe. Have I mentioned that this is the second episode we recorded today?
1: You you like to hammer a bit into the ground, don't you?
0: Oh, I'm I'm totally doing a David Letterman today. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep talking about this until Paul Schaefer comes in and says, Dave, stop. Um all right, next song is There Is a Light That Never Goes Out.
2: In your car. Oh, please don't drop me home. Because it's not my home, it's their home, and I'm welcome no more. And if a double deck crashes in-
0: Grip, man, I just couldn't ask. all right here's my fun fact this song was not released as a single in the uk until 1992
1: did you I, know that i did not know that
0: i thought it was a single based off of i saw the video on mtv
1: which you just reminded me of a, I had a fun fact earlier and you got me sidetracked oh. uh, linda mccartney was a uh, according to the internet, asked to play the piano on Frankly Mr. Shackley, and she declined.
0: Yes, I did read that as well. <laughs> yeah.
1: When you said fun fact, it reminded me that's exactly what I wrote down in my notes and then I got sidetracked. This song, I have loved this song since the first time I heard it. I would call this one of my favorite songs of all time. While it's not my favorite Smith song, it's probably my second, my favorite Smith song just for for anybody who wants to know is Shoplifters of the World Unite. It's good. But I looked at Rolling Stone actually ranked all 73 Smith songs and they also had this one at number one.
0: See, this is where I actually will agree with Rolling Stone for a change. Uh, this is my favorite Smith song. There, I said it.
1: <laughs> I said it. It's true. It. Yeah, it's just it's extremely powerful in in lots of ways. I think it, there's this uh, I this like this nervous devotion in his voice. I mean, the idea of "Don't take me home because I don't have a home. I don't have it. My home is with you now." There's this complete devotion to this other person and just the idea. And i I mean the idea that if I have to die, then it's with you like a ride or die. It's, it's just, there's so much in this song. It's so compelling and everything about it is just absolutely beautiful.
0: So I will always associate this song with you when you discovered this record it was listening to it in my bedroom and you were living with us your senior year of high school in our family room or whatever, the extra living room that we had, we had two living rooms and um, I will always associate that because of the, the lyric that you just mentioned of it's my home. It, it's uh, or it's their home. It's not my home. And so that, that that's always been associated with. Oh, this is the this is the Wayne song. So
1: well, uh, If I had to be associated with a song, this is as uh, this is as good as any. Like I say, this is my favorite song on this on this record. Um, like I've said, this is my second favorite record. This is just one of my favorite songs of all time.
0: I mean, you you would want to be associated with this song as opposed to Let's Go Forward with Our Love by Terrence Trent Darby <laughs> or um, Anything anything by Dramarama Reminds Me of um, Psycho Ho's Beast <laughs> or um, let's see, what are some of the other ones where, uh, um, yeah. That should be an episode the 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 top 10 songs that we associate with our exes. Wow.
1: We could we could get ourselves in quite a bit of trouble.
0: We could get in a lot of trouble with that. <laughs> uh, oh boy. All right. Uh this is my 10. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you're going to give me? Yep. I, I don't
1: I mean I I guess I guess we uh, we'd have had more of a conversation if it wouldn't have been
0: Right. It might have been right, but uh, I And I thought about making it my nine just to see what you're <laughs> <going> to <be. laughs> just to but
1: Cause controversy. Just to cause controversy. The pot.
0: Yeah. Uh, would have been my my uh, wording of the Twitter poll for Billy Joel. That's what I would have done. Um all right. Last song is Some Girls Are, Some bigger, girls than are bigger Than other
2: Others. Some girls are bigger than others. Some girls are bigger than others Some girls' mothers are bigger than others Girls' mothers Send me the pillow The one that you dream of Send me the pillow The one that you dream of And I said you
0: Do you like the false fade at the beginning of the the, I, the song?
1: I think it's interesting because it gets your attention. Like I, I guess I've never formed an opinion on whether I like it or not, but I always know it's coming, and I always, like, I consciously think about, you know, why they did that or or how it it just brings me back. Like it takes you, it starts to take you out, and almost confuses you for a second, and then it and then it brings you right back in. It's like they knew this was the last song. They want to make sure everybody's paying attention.
0: Could, could a song like this be made today?
1: Um, I don't think so. Uh, that was one of the things that actually popped up. Because, I, But I think also it comes off as misogynistic.
0: Because we are talking about bosoms, right? Are we talking about I bosoms? Don't,
1: I don't – in all honesty, I, I think that he's – this is one of the differences I think between his, his solo work and this work, this is much more metaphorical. I mean, he's, I I look at it in that sense of, you know, people are different. It's not, I don't think it's specific to girls or their bosoms. I think he's making us a, a general statement. And I only say that because um, he references Antony and Cleopatra, which is one of the great loves of all time. When you mention, you know, they always fall into that category with Romeo and Juliet and, and, and so he's, I just feel like he's making much more of a statement about that. I mean, there's also a reference to the, the pillow that you dream on. So I feel like, and I guess in a way that sexual ambiguity, he is p- possibly part of this is that you just love who you love and, and they, they're different because so, he would have gotten a lot of static for some girls are bigger than others. But the fact of the matter is some girls are bigger than others and some girls' mothers or even bigger than that.
0: Yeah. All right. So, so here's my line of reasoning of why I think it's about bosoms (laughs) is, is because cornerstone, the cornerstone song of brimful of Asha talks about how everyone needs a bosom for a pillow.
1: Yeah. I, I'm just going to say that that's, that's interesting, but Ultimately, I think this is Morrissey making a much bigger statement, but he was the kind of guy who, who at least, at the, I mean, he wanted to make, he couldn't say anything, you know, he's not, a, he's not a songwriter that just says flat out what he's talking about. But I think the references to Anthony and Cleopatra and the pillow you lie your head on, I think he, I felt like he was making a bigger statement about love and who you love and, and it's, it, it's different. They're, they're different from everybody's different in what they, and who you fall in love with is who you fall in love with.
0: All right. All right. So, uh, this is my two and yours.
1: This is my eight. I've, I, 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 I think when I initially heard it, I did think of it in a very, uh, kind of straightforward way and about girls at least they're not necessarily their bosoms, but maybe their asses. Uh, and then, it but it, it, I dug into it deeper and I've always, I've always liked the song. And like I say, it's a lot of it is that it's musically, it sounds d- different. You know, I mean, it's, it's a Smith song and they, yeah. the, the lyrics and the, and, the, and, the, and what he's singing doesn't, doesn't seem to. Doesn't match up to the music. They seem con- contrary to each other, but that's what makes it even better.
0: We had a couple. Um, we had a couple listener scores. So Bud Verge and my brother Dave, who uh, also loves this record. Which, um, yeah, that's right. I can take credit for that one too. <laughs> um, so, any guesses on what what Bud and Dave picked as their top song?
1: Oh, there is a light that never goes out.
0: Oh yeah, we're all consensus this, <laughs> is best, this is best song. Uh Bud picked Bud picked I know it's over as his least favorite. David picked never had no one ever picked. That was his pick for uh for least favorite. Um both of them scored Big Mouth strikes again pretty high. Bud with an 8, Dave with a 9. And Bud liked, he was, he was with you. He liked, uh, some girls are bigger than others a little more. He gave that a nine. Dave liked, I know it's over a little more than, than us. He gave that an eight. So here's our top five. You already know what number one is. I don't, I don't even <laughs> have to say that Uh big mouth strikes again is our two. And then we got a three-way tie for third with a 6.5 average score. We had boy with the thorn is inside Cemetery gates and frankly mr shankley i'll take that top five any day
1: yeah, yeah I'd, I'd listen to that if if i had nothing else
0: yeah yeah this is usually the part where i go did we cover it did we miss anything
1: no we i we got it all here
0: yeah you uh you ready for another hundred episodes you think I'm, we you think we got enough uh, gas in the tank to uh, do another hundred episodes?
1: Well, I get a break every once in a while, so I, I think that I I have no excuses.
0: Uh, yeah. If there's anything that's going to happen in the next 100 episodes is we are going to get a damn associate producer who can edit some of these episodes, so I don't have to do it anymore. Yeah, we need so, to.
1: You need to. I don't know, use some community college and get a intern or something. Get it done for free. Any, we're, on a, we're on a low budget.
0: If anybody has a hookup, like I will I will I will sell some of my vinyl. I will go create a Patreon. I will do something where I can at least throw, you know. A few bones to whoever wants to produce this. If if anybody's out there that wants to pad your resume that says I'm an associate producer, I'll give you the title of associate producer (laughs) if you want to edit some episodes. You don't have to edit every single one. Just like two or three a month. Anyways, if you're interested, contact me. Contact information is on the Records Revisited podcast website. Um, so, um, yeah, hit me up. Um, all right. So this is where we do the whole outro. Do do I, do I need it? Do I need to do the whole damn outro? Like people, people, people should know us by now, right? We're available on all the major platforms. Go follow us on one of the, one of the socials. You're probably on Facebook. You're probably on Twitter. You're probably on Instagram or one out of those three. Just follow us. Um, I man the Facebook page and the Twitter account. Wayne's got the Instagram account. But um, anything else on the socials? I'm so over the socials. (laughs) I really am. Thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show whenever we get back out there. But right now, you can buy a T-shirt of the band. You can go buy a record and we are Records Revisited, and we are out. Out.